It was the summer of 2013, and I was sitting in a coffee shop in northern Illinois, as was my custom, on a Wednesday morning, working on some stuff, when my phone rang. And I answered the phone, and the lady on the other line said, is this Mr. Rogers? And I said, yes, it is. And she said, this is so-and-so from the Department of Children and Families, and I'm working in conjunction with Children's Home and Aid. And she went on to tell me a story about a little girl who had come under the foster care system. At the end of telling me all the relevant information about it, she said, is your home open? And I thought for a second, and I said, I really think it is, but can I call my wife real quick? She said, sure. So I called my wife, Lauren, and I said, Lauren, here's the situation. I went on to tell her the whole story about this two-day-old little girl who came under the foster care system who needed a placement, and I said the same thing she said to me, is our home open? And she said, I think we need to do this. And I said, I think so too. So I called them back and I said, yeah, our home is open. Now typically, when a new baby comes into your home, you've got like roughly nine months to prepare for it. And four and a half hours later, our doorbell rang and there were two people, one from Children's Home and Aid, the foster care agency through whom we were licensed, the other being a representative from the Department of Children and Family, and they were carrying with them a car seat that had a five pound, two day old little baby girl. And this little girl would forever change our lives. Throughout this series, I have been sharing with you different angles of the story through which God called us to serve First Presbyterian Church of Benita Springs. Today, though we've seen it from different angles before, I want to zoom back just a little bit and we're going to look at, for me, where the journey began for our discernment process. It really happened as we were becoming foster parents because it was during our fostering that we had these competing commitments. One, that we had this stirring that perhaps God was calling us to do something else. The other being, we were committed to staying in Northern Illinois because we had committed to God that we didn't want this little girl bouncing around between different foster homes. So we were gonna stay either till she was reunited with her family or till she became a permanent member of our family. It was during the foster parenting that we really started praying most intentionally, Lord, show us what your will is. We were licensed as foster parents that same summer in 2013. And then on August 28th, we had this little baby girl dropped off at our home. And that little girl changed our lives. It was through this experience that we began to sense that God was doing something different. About the time that we started sensing God calling us onward, we had already been foster parents for almost 18 months. It was November of the following year in 2014 when we began to get this stirring. But here's the thing you need to know about foster parenting. You have almost zero control of anything that's gonna happen. Because the court system, in conjunction with the biological parents, they have the responsibility of trying to make efforts to bring a child home, and it's the court system that ultimately will determine whether a child is not going to return home. And so as a foster parent, you're sort of in this place where you have very little control. You're intimately involved, but you have to hold it with open hands. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago? or the last time that you watched episode number two, when I talked about an open-handed peace, 
foster care is one of those things you have to hold with open hands because you have zero control over it. The only control you have as a foster parent is what is called educational advocacy. You can make sure that your child is getting the best education possible. But beyond that, simple things like taking your kid to the doctor. As foster parents, we couldn't sign off on the paperwork. We had to give it over to the state so that they could sign off on whatever medical treatment was given to Bella. So as foster parents, you hold with very open hands, very little control, the role that you play. Toward the end of 2014, we began to sense that God was calling us onward. We also began to sense that our journey in the foster care system wasn't going to be quick. We'll return to this in just a little while. Throughout this series, we have been talking about spiritual discernment. We talked about how, as Christians, we cannot spiritually discern without the Spirit of God in our lives. And the only way we can do that is if we have relationship with Jesus Christ, through whom we have access to the Spirit, and through whom we not only make good judgments and wise decisions, but we are led by the Spirit of God to whatever God's calling us to do. And also, we have talked about three of the four instruments through which we can sense God's Spirit leading us on. In episode two, we talked about an open-handed peace, how God gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding that is independent of our circumstances. In the following episode, episode three, we talked about the Spirit-inspired revelation that God has given us in the past, how God has led us consistently through his incarnation in Jesus Christ and through the scriptures, and how God is the same yesterday, today, and always, and therefore, whatever we're discerning needs to be in chorus with what God has already revealed. Then in the previous episode, episode four, we talked about God's Spirit-inspired community, how God leads us through the relationships that we have, those concentric circles of relationships that we share. In this episode, we're going to listen to the final instrument, what I've entitled limits, when we are discerning. Often, these four different instruments we hear playing the same tune, playing in harmony with one another in the same key, and when they are all aligned, it just makes sense that God is leading us in a direction together when we're discerning by means of the Spirit. Well, to begin this session on limits, Let's talk a little bit about something that you and I instinctively know, though we might not want to admit it to ourselves. Here's the truth. We don't have control over everything that happens in our lives. There are things that happen in the environment that we can't control. I remember back in 2017 when Hurricane Irma was tracking across the Atlantic. There was nothing I could do to control the trajectory of that storm. It was just going to go where it was going to go. And indeed it did. So we can't control things that are happening outside of us. We also can't control the people in our lives around us. If you've ever been a parent, you know this is true. That though you can shape a child's life, you can't control them. They've got a mind of their own. They're going to do what they're going to do. And that's true of every human relationship. We cannot control the people around us. In fact, so much of the challenge and strife that we experience in life is because we're trying to control other people. All we can actually control is our response in relationship with other people. And you know what? We actually can't control everything that's happening inside us either. 
Why, if you had a heart arrhythmia, like tachycardia or something like that, there's no amount of thinking that you could do to regulate that heartbeat inside you. Maybe you can go to the doctor and you can prescribe some medications or a treatment plan to get that heart beating as it ought to, but, but your ability to control even some of the things that happen in your own body is limited. We cannot control everything. So, sometimes there are things that we cannot control that we need to rely on God for, through which we can discern what God's leading us to do. Because although you and I can't control everything, here's what we believe as Christians. We put a fancy theological word on it, which is the word providence. Providence essentially means that God is in control of all things, that God uses the good things, the bad things, everything that we experience in life to lead us along his path. The very first sermon I preached here is one sermon that was on one of my favorite passages in the scriptures. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and it simply says this, and we know, that is Christians, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So although you and I can't control everything, the good news is God is in control of everything. And so God will often use those things that we cannot control to help shape our future. So God will place limits on our lives. Here's a couple of limits that you can think about. Sometimes the limit is time. The decision we need to make is time sensitive. We live in a world where we operate by minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years and sometimes our decisions have a time limit around them and God can use that to help us to make a decision based on the information we have at that time. Sometimes the limits are in our own abilities. Here's the truth about me. If I ever thought God was calling me to be an NFL player for the National Football League, Here's what you would need to know about me. For the, for the majority of my life, the most I've ever weighed is about 160 pounds. That's not exactly the physical body that you would need to be an NFL player. So one of the limits that God has put it on me is a physical limit of my size. There's no way that I would discern that God was calling me to play with those big, strong men in the NFL, right? So sometimes God places limits on us and our capacities, whether it's physical, intellectual, relational, emotional. There are limits that are placed on us that relate to what we can do with our lives. And sometimes the limits come in terms of situations that have obstacles that we cannot remove ourselves. So for example, when I was talking to First Presbyterian Church, they could have had the committee that had interviewed me say, we're going to go a different direction. And that would have been the end of my discernment because there'd be no more discernment I could do. There would have been a limit there as to whether or not I was going to come to First Presbyterian Church. God uses limits in our lives to help lead and direct and guide us because while we can't control everything, God is in control of everything. So sometimes God puts a limit that we cannot move, immovable barriers. Other times though, God takes something we couldn't possibly control and he removes it on our behalf. By the time that we began to discern that God was calling us to do something different, it was just the end of 2014. 
the beginning of 2015, we had some really difficult cases to do within the court system. They're called permanency hearings. It's the time in which the, the courts are determining whether a child is going to continue with a permanency goal of being reunited with the family or whether or not their permanency goal is going to shift toward adoption. So we had this lingering thought that maybe God was calling us to do something else. And yet, in February of 2015, we went into the courtroom for the first of the permanency goal hearings. We left that hearing with the distinct impression that this was going to be a long haul. There was simply no end in sight. So we had these competing commitments that were at a tug of war, and we began to pray earnestly, Lord, in your perfect timing, do what only you can do. So we went back to court in March, and sometimes things happen procedurally that disrupt the court hearing. So the wrong paperwork was filed. We showed up. We were there for five minutes. We went home. And then we went back in April of the same year, just two months earlier. And whereas we had left in February with the distinct impression that this was going to be a long time, in April, Lauren and I were sitting in the back of the courtroom, as was our custom, and the guardian ad litem, who is the person in the room who is responsible to look out for the best interests of the foster child and the biological mother were both not in the courtroom. I looked at the judge. She was getting a little bit perturbed with the situation. And after about five minutes after the hearing was supposed to have started, the guardian ad litem came in and he said, Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a five-minute recess. And then he said words that would forever change our life. He said, I'm talking with mom about the idea of signing over her rights. Now, I was holding my wife's hand at this point, and she squeezed my hand harder than I think she had ever squeezed it before. And I looked at her and I said the most sensitive thing you can say. I said, keep it together. And about five minutes later, the guardian ad litem and the biological mother came into the room and the mother made a decision to sign her rights over and to name Lauren and myself as parents. A selfless decision that we have tried every day for the foreseeable future to do the best we can to honor the decision she made. Still, it took several months for us to officially adopt her. That was a miracle in and of itself. And then, on November 21st of 2015, almost exactly a year after we began to get the stirring in our hearts, we adopted Bella, who became a permanent member of our home on National Adoption Day. On the 22nd, the very next morning, it was a Sunday morning, and she was baptized not only into becoming a member of our family, but becoming a member of God's family. What we learned through this series was that God can move obstacles that we couldn't possibly ever have control over. And so this was a confirmation for us that maybe the Lord was in this call to go somewhere else. So the day after we adopted Bella, we had her baptized. The day after that, I posted my resume online. And within a few days, First Presbyterian Church of Benita Springs posted their job description online. I talked to the search committee here at First Presbyterian Church six weeks after the adoption of Bella, and we were here six months after that, on the ground, serving here in person. That prayer 
Lord, in your perfect timing, do what only you can do, was God's cue to do what only God could do, and he removed a limit that was previously in place. So sometimes the limits around us that are immovable, God uses to say, that's not the direction I'm calling you. Other times, you become acutely aware that God is really in this thing by the miraculous moving of something that you couldn't have any control over. So through this series, what have you been discerning? What question has been on your heart and your mind, and how have you been listening for the Spirit of God to speak to you? Have you begun to get a sense of God's peace that surpasses all understanding? Have you been able to read in the scriptures and through the scriptures determine that God is revealing himself consistently with something else that you've read there? Have the people in your life who have the Spirit of God in them by faith been leading you and guiding you in parallel with that? And are there limits that God has either imposed or removed to lead you? When you hear these four instruments playing the same tune in harmony with one another, it may be an indication that God is leading you in a specific direction. I hope you've been able to listen to the various angles of our story, of this significant life decision, and been able to hear your own story within that story. This is the conclusion of this series, but until the next time, God loves you, and so do I.